This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hi, everyone. Sean Daly here. Welcome to today's episode. Today is another installment in our Green Blogger series where I talk to the Lojas industry's top bloggers and authors. Tim Hurst is a blogger and editor at Green Options Media, where he heads up the team at Red, Green, and Blue, the network's environmental politics blog. His research and professional interests are in the politics of energy and the environment, with a particular focus on renewable energy policy and the clean tech sector. Tim is also the publisher of ecopolitology.org. Tim, welcome to the program. Thanks, Sean. It's good to be here. It's good to have you. So you and I have known each other for a little while through the various green blogger groups and networks that were and social media sites that we're uh, members of. And I've been really interested to hear more about your story and then also the sites you're involved with. So why don't we just start with uh, you know your background and how you got involved with blogging and also with the Green Options Group? Sure. Well, first of all, good job on pronouncing ecopolitology. I practiced. It's kind of it's, it's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> Uh, we should spell it, you know, so, as long as uh, we, we should spell it for people to, so that we're not making any assumptions. So yeah, it's uh, E-C-O-P-O-L-I-T-O-L-O-G-Y dot org. Right. Just like it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's easy. Right. Uh, so I kind of started, um, I started blogging as a you know, informal, informal medium to get my uh, research thoughts down and to kind of get uh, in the habit of writing on a daily basis uh, as I worked towards my PhD. Um, and before I knew it, I was just kind of wrapped up in the whole in the whole thing, and it doesn't it doesn't take long, as you know, to get kind of um, real inspired by this group of people that were, you know, that we're involved with and that we're in- interacting with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of taken on a, you know, a life of its own. So I, I did the ecopolitology thing for, I don't know, six months uh, before I um, got in touch with the Green Options folks. And they were, uh, they hinted that they were telling that they were going to launch an uh, environmental politics blog. And, uh, and that, that's, the red, that's the red, green, and blue blog. That, that is red, green, and blue.org, right? Last summer, right? Right. And, uh, and that was in... Um, I guess that was actually in uh, March, maybe April, somewhere in there, late March. And yeah, that's just kind of took off from there. I sort of started writing for them just about the energy stuff, like renewable energy stuff. Um, but it was always kind of leaning towards the policy stuff. And so to have this outlet, to have the pure politics outlet was, was a perfect fit. Now, obviously, Red, Green, and Blue launched in a time frame where we were very much pre-election. We were in the midst of that process and, and all of the interest. And, and now that that election's over and, and the campaigning has sort of died out. What, what's your vision for red, green, and blue? And, and how do you sustain the momentum you guys you know, gained over the last year in that climate? Right. That's, that's a really good question. And I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> uh, no, um, well, yeah, we do we, have an interactive format here. So we, right, do, we right. do like to hear from our listeners. Um, we, uh, we saw just, you know, meteoric growth 
uh, in between March 15th or whatever it was that we launched and, you know, right up in, uh, through the election, we, you know, uh, went from about getting about 10,000 uh, page views the first couple of months to, you know, pushing 200,000 in October. Wow. Um, and so, but, you know, as soon as the election happened, um, that we haven't been able to sustain that. Although recently we've kind of been picking it back up. Um, so I think, you know, what, we're getting a lot of traffic before from people who weren't, you know, people who are interested in politics and interested in the race uh, and not as much, you know, as into the sort of wonky uh, details of environmental politics and policy. Mm-hmm. So um, we'd like to kind of get back to that. Um, I'm looking forward, you know, I'm really actually kind of thankful in a way that uh, the campaign is over. Um, oh, oh, along with a lot of uh, other people, I think, including myself. Right, right. <laughs> that was exhausting. Uh, we did lose some traffic as a result. However, you know, we get to focus on, there's a lot more to politics than, you know, than the, the election. election season. No, it seemed, it seemed to me that there still continues to be a target-rich environment. Uh, the sustainability of the Daily Show uh, is testimony to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they, you know, those guys have really, uh, have really opened it up, not just on their television shows, but they've started to take it to their, to the, um, to the internet as well. And they've got a lot of good things going, um, uh, over there. And so what we'd like to do is, is experiment with, uh, with new media, with, uh, you know, bringing in more video, bringing in more interactivity to the, um, to the site. Uh, we, we have a, a site redesign, um, coming down the uh, coming down the pipe pike pipe. I always say both. It's uh, the, I used you know it's funny that was a little foible of mine for many years and it's it's pike technically but uh, but I used to say pipe so I'm a former I'm, I'm a recovering pipe pike right, addict there. Right. Uh, so we've got that in the works and uh, you know we're we're recruiting writers actively. We've got a bunch of new writers on hand and so it's it's uh, it should be interesting. We've got. Uh, the way we've structured the site for the people who haven't been there is um, we midsummer we went to a, a web magazine format, which gave us you know a front page that sort of divides things up uh, from you know left right or liberal conservative center, and um, while that's useful in sort of uh, parsing, and it also gives lots of exposure to things simultaneously. Uh, so we're going to stay with the web mag format, although there might be some sort of tweaks in that as. Progress. Well, I think you know, it's important to reiterate, which is that you are covering both sides of the political spectrum. I mean, some people might think, you know, any environmental politics blog is inherently going to be a lefty uh, publication. Um, but the, the layout here that you have, you very clearly delineate uh, the, the two spectrums. Right. And, and that's what we're trying to do is really appeal to, you know, really, you know, environmental politics doesn't necessarily, just like you said, doesn't have to be a lefty issue just because, you know, people forget that, uh, that um, Nixon passed some of the most sweeping environmental reforms this country has ever seen. Absolutely uh, true. And that, that may have been, um, there may have been some politics behind that to sort of uh, soothe the, the counterculture movement of, of that era. And that was, may have been the easiest thing for him to do. But it's still, it's not a, really have to be a partisan uh, partisan issue. Yeah. Partisan issues. I think partisan ownership of uh, that issue is is no less disingenuous or unfair than, say, the you know the on the right, uh, some of the attempted ownership of other things like family values and things like that. that all of these things are ultimately an illusion. Sure. That, you know, sure. It doesn't Patriotism make sense. and national security, all that stuff. It's really uh, you know, and the election season. 
we, uh, we're constantly bombarded with what, you know, we're being told how we're different. You know, we're being told that, you know, the, le the, the left said, says this. Well, meanwhile, the, the vast, vast majority of the people are in the middle, you know, and they, they might deviate a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. But it's people have a lot more in common, I think, than the media is portrayed or portrays them as having. Well, I agree. I think politi politicians are the most to the left and the right, and the, the rest of us, the actual people, uh, the uh, the average citizens of far closer towards the center than, than people would espouse. I agree with you right, there. Right, so, but, it's, but it's the activists who are who are really controlling the agendas of each party, you know, and they're the ones who who um, who go to the who are really active in in their community, and they're the ones who nominate. Uh, candidates, they're the ones who go to, it's, it's not surprising to see what happens. It's, it's, you know, you see uh, the, the polarization is because of the sort of activist politics. Right, yeah, exactly. So Tim, I wanted to ask you, you know, there were once clear distinctions between traditional media and new media, and those are constantly being blurred these days as we see. What do you see as the future of this particular space uh, with respect to environmental politics? Well, um, it's, that's like hitting hitting a moving target. You know what I mean? It, it's, uh, it's constantly changing. Just before, uh, just before I got on this, um, got on the computer here with you, I got a tw uh, tweet and he was sort of, um, now for people that are not familiar with uh, twitter.com, a tweet is sending a message on that particular network. Please continue just so they know tweet being Sorry. tweeted by Al Gore is kind of sounds like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and he was, and it was basically his take on Obama's, um, uh, energy uh, team or his green team and so that's just kind of an example i think twitter is something that's uh that's sort of being taken hold by a lot of mainstream media folks you know i, I follow several uh you know people who i wouldn't normally you know i'm not a cnn junkie by any means but you know i follow anderson cooper mm -hmm. you know or uh i'll follow some bbc folks and we had an interesting um an interesting thing happened earlier this week on i was listening to and um, they had announced, or uh, Barack Obama had announced that uh, Ken Salazar was going to be the, the new Secretary of the Interior. And um, within probably an hour or two, and I was working on a piece, I was at my desk, and uh, I was listening to NPR, and they said something about how um, most environmentalists were fuming about the choice. Well, you know, I'm from Colorado, and, and, uh, and Ken Salazar is from Colorado, and, you know, he's got a pretty good pretty strong reputation here in the state as being a, you know, a, a fairly um, uh, progressive-minded uh, conservationist. I kind of, I tweeted instantly, so I, I set up a, a Twitter update saying I was taking issue with NPR's characterization of most environmentalists. Then about an hour later or half an hour later, again, uh, and it, was, it wasn't the exact same story, but the wording this time was um, uh, maybe some environmentalists we're fuming. And then I heard the story again, maybe another half an hour, another hour later, and he, the, um, the reporter had sort of tempered that most environmentalists are fuming <laughs> down to, uh, you know, something much. Now, I, I follow NPR politics on, on Twitter, and I know they follow me back. Uh, I have no idea whether or not, you know, what I said actually kicked off any chain of events. Interesting to see that that potential is there. And, and, you know, the media loves to sort of create this, um, create controversy maybe when there isn't any. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that that weren't happy with the pick, um, but uh, but there's this I opportunity to to have a real time conversation with the media and and that you know that they pay attention to that and the ones who are really paying attention will incorporate that in i mean that's fascinating absolutely you know i I know npr has a has a fairly stout uh um, collection of social media folks what's going on and uh participating and so i'd like to think that i was shaping the shaping the reporting as it was happening but you know Well, if they're if they're paying attention, you know they know that Redmond and you know yourself are you know top uh, in the green blogosphere with regards to environmental politics. So it would make sense that they'd be paying attention. And uh, uh, yeah, I I don't know that NPR is following me. I know that MC Hammer is though, so I'm not sure what (laughs) covers that anyway. But you know, we're we're, we're connected. (laughs) Yeah, I I just uh, I just recently started following um, Kevin Rudd, who's the Prime Minister of, of Australia. And coming back, or his people did, or whatever. And then, like oh, four days later, someone else followed, started following me called Fake Kevin Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> so at least they were, you know, there's lots of people who are a little, uh, you, you, you could set up a Twitter account saying you're anybody, but at least this guy was admitting he was the fake Kevin Rudd. Right. There's an opportunity for humor there when people get to, uh, you know, uh, sort of create a caricature. Um, uh, but yeah, but it is difficult. Authenticity is difficult on that network uh, because you sort of have to get uh, from the source verification that yes, in fact, we are tweeting uh, on that account, uh, and that's always a, sort of a dubious thing. Um, just switching options. Uh, although I could talk about Twitter all day long because it is such a fascinating medium. Um, green green blo- green options rather. It's a blog network that presents really a whole you know new set of issues for coordinating bloggers and covering these topics. I wanted to ask you, you know, what are some of the costs and benefits of working in a blog network as opposed to an individual blog, and how have you been able to um, address or take advantage of those? Right. Uh, well, we have. Uh, we were, you know, I, I started with these guys just about. Um, it was on the first January first last year. I think mm-hmm. it was my first post, um, and we were kind of rolling out new blogs about one a month for a couple months. I think we've we've stabilized at uh, fifteen, which is still quite a, um, you know, quite an arsenal. Uh, and I, you know, one of the, the costs is obviously how do we, how are we able to sort of sync up all of these writers either via chat spaces or via forums or via, you know, different, um, ways of communicating to each other. And how do we make sure stuff gets covered a, and how do we make sure stuff over covered? Um, and I think it's, it's beneficial to be able to cover things from multiple angles. Um, and we do that quite a bit. You know, we're just trying not to sort of step on each other's toes in the process. So I think that's kind of a um, a learning process. But you know, based on our uh, our traffic numbers, not just uh, red, green, and blue, but some of our other blogs, uh, we're fading out. Now, I can't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not taking credit for it. You know, there's there's master tech tacticians behind it, uh, but. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a, a, the hard thing going is creating a space that people want to stay in, yet um, also reaching out and linking out and making other connections uh, at the same time. You know, there's a lot. We're not saying that we're the. You, know, you should come to Green Options and spend all of your, you know, your your green do uh, your green reading there. There's lots of good stuff going on, uh, but we want to kind of make that 
make it a one one stop shopping for people, I guess. Good. Well, we're going to take a quick break right here for a word from our sponsor on the show. And then we'll be back. And we are talking today with Tim Hurst, blogger and editor at Green Options Media, including the Red, Green and Blue site, which is online at redgreenandblue.org. And he's also the publisher of ecopolitology.org, where he blogs about the new politics of the We'll be right back on Green Talk Radio. Thank you, everyone. And we are back on Green Talk Radio. We're talking with Tim Hurst. He's a freelance writer, blogger, and editor at Green Options Media, and he focuses on politics of the energy industry and uh, environmental politics. Tim, we were talking before the break about your background, your writing, uh, and uh, the red, green, and blue site, as well as ecopolitology, and also sort of the role of, of new media in discussing environmental politics. Um, shifting gears a, a little bit away from that, I wanted to ask you, how have the tools and techniques proffered by, by green netizens or citizens of the, the ecosphere, social media junkies, changed modern politics as we know it, in your opinion? Well, there's a, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of touched on Twitter a little bit. And so I don't, I don't want to harp on that too much, but, um, you know, I've been involved in a couple that one is, one is called on day one.org. Uh, and it is actually, um, a really neat project. And what they've been doing is collecting, this has kind of been happening throughout the, um, they've been collecting people's suggestions as for, you know, what the next president should, should do on day one. Um, and, you know, people have been able to go over there, log in, and leave some suggestions. Uh, and then so over the last couple of months, these were kind of getting narrowed down to a smaller and smaller number. Uh, then they chose a few judges, uh, quote, air quotes, um, to to hone those down to a smaller number that people could vote on. People would vote on them. Uh, and then the, the winner is the person who gets that that sort of winning idea will then be presented to um, the transition team. Uh, the winner is actually gets to go to um, gets to go to Washington for the inauguration. And but so this is just kind of the example that you know you're seeing uh, more opportunities for two-way communication. Um, you're not just seeing. Uh, and I think the change.gov, Barack Obama's new uh, the new website. Yeah, which which also went heavily down in in uh, its uh, daily readership uh, after that. I saw a news piece on that. They were talking about just the the, the massive drop off that they suffered there. Right, right, and and but they're also doing some of the same stuff. Um, the voting on ideas, the the um, batting around of ideas uh, that you wouldn't always have a forum for before. You know, there really wasn't a, you know, there really wasn't a very good forum for that kind of stuff unless you were actively uh, participating in in local politics. Um, you know, you can you, know, you can call your congressman, you can send a letter, those sorts of things. But it's still it's it it's makes having a, a conversation uh, much trickier. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think I think the um, some of the communication on the internet are just are completely changing the way politics is 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 done what, what are some of the more other specific examples of ways that these you're discussing and that we're been talking about in the conversation could be used you know as tools of direct enviro political action as it were sure um well you know there's 
there are several people that, that are groups that I follow. So I'll follow, let's say, Twitter as the example, but um, it doesn't have to be. But uh, so they can send out a, you know, uh, an alert or, um, you know, if something particularly egregious happens or if something is going on, uh, something's being debated in, um, on the floor of, of uh, either house um, or even in state politics, you know, they can be like, hey, heads up, I want to you know, weigh in on this. Uh, and, so, and so we're seeing a lot of that. You're also seeing, um, you know, platforms like Facebook. Um, where they're, you actually create groups, create events um, within those groups. And I think Facebook hasn't quite taken off as far as politics go. You see, you know, someone will have, you know, Barack Obama might have hundreds of thousands of fans, but I still haven't figured out how Facebook has, has kind of, uh, or if, how it's going to be properly used in, this, in the, you know, in the politics arena. Politics as opposed to, say, more so- social issues. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm a... You know, I've got six or seven games of Scrabble going on <laughs> as we speak. Uh, what, during the interview? Oh, man. No, no. no I'm just kidding. <laughs> but as soon as we get off. <laughs> it's waiting for you. Right. Uh, that's funny. I, I, I tweeted, with it just as an aside there, I, I tweeted something once. Uh, and it was actually after an interview was over, saying something about uh, something that was happening in the interview. And one of my friends wrote, stop Facebooking and get back into your interview. I'm like, no, that was delayed. You know, I'm not, I pay attention to my guests. I try to right, anyway. Good. Well, thank you. We yeah, sure. Well, no, it's easy in your case. It's very, it is a fascinating discussion. And um, I, I also was opportunity putting you on the spot <clears throat> a little bit here, give you an opportunity to share with our listeners other tips that you might have for whether it's, you know, these media tools or things they can be doing to get themselves involved in politics or politics in general, um, online and otherwise, what, what are you most excited about right now other than Twitter? Um, well, just the, the sheer volume of uh, information, right? So there are, the amount of volume, the amount of news uh, that's being produced and the speed at which it is produced uh, is, is mind-boggling. Um, and so, you know, it's tricky to be able to sort of uh, condense that into more manageable platforms or more manageable uh, techniques. But, you know, I'm on Twitter, you know, I'm, I'm very active on, you know, StumbleUpon, I think is a great, um, a great tool. And, you know, I've never had a more uh, focused um, wasting of my time <laughs> than I did until I found StumbleUpon. Uh, and so I think, you know, there's opportunities to get involved in groups there. And, and the thing about StumbleUpon, as soon as you kind of find your little, your little niche, and then you kind of create a group of friends, you let the friends end up deciding what you're going to like. Yeah. And, or at least, you know, showing you the stuff that you might like. And it's really amazing how um, that stuff gets passed around uh, and how quickly it gets passed around. So, you know, when I'm not, uh, not, when I'm not stumbling, I'm Twittering. And when I'm not Twittering, I'm digging. And it's all these... All these words that a year ago, maybe or a year and a half ago, you know, I would have been like, "What the hell are you talking about, Tim?" Um, for 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 many of us, and and, <laughs> and and there really is real leverage there. And I have to say, as a site owner, um, especially with regards to StumbleUpon, I think that StumbleUpon, in my opinion, as as a sort of with a marketing and technology background, and certainly that I've seen the most leverage in that network, uh, easily accessible to the everyman or the every blogger. Uh, versus sites like Dig, where if you get on the front page of Dig, it's really great, and there's the Dig effect, and it'll crash your site. 
sort of a more consistent benefit from building a community on StumbleUpon, at least in, in my experience. Uh, your, your mileage may vary. No, no, no. I, no, I think you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some new ones bubbling up. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they have, we actually had an experience with them earlier this week uh, where a story of mine got put on their front page. And uh, the amount of traffic, it, I mean, our server, we've got a pretty, pretty stout server network. Um, they crashed our servers within a few minutes. Wow. Uh, and it drove something, I mean, something on the order of about 20,000 hits in the, uh, you know, just the first few minutes. Um, and so that was, uh, that kind of stuff is really neat. And so to see that many people that who are actually involved are actually interested in it. Um, and this is sort of a mainstream, you know, mainstream platform. This goes on yahoo.com. People just go to check their mail and boom, there's my story and people were interested in it. And so that's, you know, that, that kind of gives you, gives me hope at least. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Tim, we're out of time today. I, it's really been great to finally meet you uh, and talk with you Likewise. and hear more about the, the story of the sites and your own story and journey. Well, thanks for having me, Sean. It's, it's been a pleasure. My guest has been Tim Hurst. He's a freelance writer, blogger, and editor at Green Options Media, including the red, green, and blue.org site, as well as his own site, ecopoly.org. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.